Hello and welcome back to the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. I'm Ben Portnoy, joined by Cameron Drummond, Murphy Wheeler. Guys, what's going on? Well, Indiana's still losing basketball games, and we're still here to talk about them. But it's not any easier to watch, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's been a rough week, two weeks, three weeks for uh, Indiana basketball. Six losses in a row now after the uh, the loss at, to Michigan at home at Assembly Hall the other night. It's uh, it's not not a lot going right for the Hoosiers. Archie Miller uh, voiced his concerns about that after the Michigan game on Friday. And uh, guys, let's just open it up with uh, what? Where is this program at? Basically, at the midpoint of the season, where where are they at, and sort of where do they go, or is there any kind of, you know, what? It was asked kind of bluntly to Juwan Morgan, what what do these guys want out of this season? Right. Kind of bluntly. That was one of the more blunt questions I've ever heard asked. It was, a, it was a very fair <laughs> yeah, question, was, though. No, I thought it was a fair question, yeah. but it was, an, it, was, uh, it was blunt for sure. I mean, when you ask someone like Jawan Morgan, a senior, hey, what do you want out of this season, you're going to get the expected canned answer of, yeah, I'm expecting to still make the postseason. And, you know, incredibly, despite losing six straight conference games and losing the majority of them by double digits showing very little – you know, fight or effort in the second half of these games, Indiana still kind of controls its own destiny, right? Like, this is still a team that's projected to be in the NCAA tournament. Granted, they're clinging on for dear life. They're projected as an 11 seed by Andy Katz. They'd be in the first four playing in Dayton against Alabama. So, I think Lenardi has them as a nine, but I think that's a little outdated. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're trending downward for sure. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But – it's it's one of those things where we're going to continually ask Archie Miller the questions of why is the energy level so low to start games? Why is the outside shooting showing zero signs of improvement? Why can Indiana not take these little five, six-minute spurts of really good second-half basketball and translate it not only to the first half but for the entirety of a 40-minute game? And if he had the answers, he would have implemented them by now. And this just seems like a team, both from a coaching perspective and an on-court perspective, that's desperately searching for answers that they don't have. And the really bad thing for Indiana is this isn't happening at the beginning of Big Ten play or at the end of Big Ten play. It's happening right smack in the middle. And when you look at this stretch coming up, you know, everyone could have maybe circled a trip to Rutgers as a respite, but the Scarlet Knights have won two consecutive Big Ten games for the first time literally ever. They in the Big Ten. In the Big Ten. They literally have the same conference record as Indiana, right? right. They're both three uh, and yeah. yeah, they both I think th so. three and six. <coughs> and I would argue that Rutgers' Big Ten wins are better than Indiana. Heck, Absolutely. Rutgers have won back-to-back -back Big Ten games and both were on the road. Indiana still has one road win for the entirety of the season, and it was at Penn State by two points. Both of them have beat Penn State, and then Rutgers has Ohio State and yeah. Nebraska. And Indiana and has? Northwestern and... Uh, hold on. Home against Illinois. Northwestern Penn So, yeah, State. no, Illinois. that's literally, yeah. I mean, the Ohio State's an interesting con. An yeah, interesting they're, they're kind of falling apart, Ohio too. State's falling off a little bit. They did finally right the ship against Nebraska the other night. but um, <laughs> Nebraska's not playing too well now, either. Nebraska and James Palmer's out for the season um, after a tough uh, tough injury there. Wait, was it game. Palmer or was it the Copeland? Or, I'm sorry, it was Copeland. Copeland yeah, 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 Copeland. Um, and, anyway, but I think that, like you said, Cam, I think it's fair to question where, you know, what, is, what does this team want? And I think that it, it, it's just 
it's been such a flip because really in three weeks and maybe even less than that honestly I, w- I would argue that kind of rock bottom almost came came after that nebraska game or even purdue um that in in a w- one and a half two week span this season's gone from being you know oh potential dark horse big 10 team big 10 championship team to are they even going to make the tournament at the end of this thing and it just to to me i think the most startling thing is like the is the inability to adapt i don't know how much of that's coaching i don't know how much of that's players i don't know how much of this like amounts into injuries and i think injuries are an easy cop-out answer but i I will say that i i think this team has dealt with more injuries than most teams across the country um although every team does deal with their own share of uh, issues with health but um it, it just there's no right solution and we you know we, as the collective press, have asked Archie Miller this probably six or seven times now in the last three weeks, and he doesn't have an answer. And I almost feel like, you know, cut the guy a break. <laughs> what else is there to ask? And right. Not, not, you know, not to make it a cop-out, but, you know, right. if the guy had a magic, sh- magic answer, I'd be winning basketball games. And I think that, you know, you look looking ahead to the week, looking to the week ahead, Rutgers is no easy win. That's a decent team. Scott Peichel's got that team in – heading in the right direction they've got some guys who can play so um this is gonna be i mean in the way that northwestern was a must win this is a must win yeah no Uh, for sure they indiana has to find some way to find some semblance of confidence yeah because i mean there is no confidence in that locker room this i michigan's a bad matchup for indiana don't get me wrong i mean the way that india indiana plays teams that are sort of you know one guy dominant well um they have defensive guy. they have guys on the defensive end who can match up e- even against purdue against carson edwards in a game that they frankly didn't play well in they lo- they hung around marginally um that said you know michigan's a bad matchup for indiana but indiana came out with zero fight i mean they were Literally. down se- they were down yeah, i mean they were down 17 nothing seven minutes into the game it, it, and you could feel it and and i don't think it's too too uh theoretical to say like there was a buzz within in assembly hall people wanted to get behind that game um i i mean pre-game you know people were screaming yelling at jordan Poole as he was taking warm-up shots i right. mean assembly hall wanted to be a part of that game yeah for sure and they couldn't because michigan michigan for one took the air out of it and indiana with just ineptitude took themselves out of it real quickly and e- even when they bounced back a little <laughs> bit um in the in the second half for you know a, f- a string of minutes but it, it, this is a team that i think is a shell of itself, and I think that they don't know what they want to be, and I think that, frankly, people are tired. I mean, Juwan Morgan looks exhausted running yep. up and down the court, even at the beginning of two games. Right. I mean, he is, and Archie said it the other day that, you know, he's playing more minutes than they would have liked, but um, this is a team that's really just laboring through conference season right now. Yeah, it's hard to tell where this season's at and where this team's at, going back to the original question, just because. Like you kind of said, I don't think they really know where they're at and what they want to be at this point. Um, like you said, after the Michigan game, Morgan still said, well, I, I think we're still an NCAA tournament team. That's our goal. But they don't look like it at all. And it's because they have not addressed the issues that have plagued them all season. Um, you know, they've struggled defensively against players in the post. They can't. They have literally nobody to shoot from the outside. I mean, we thought it was going to be Fitzner. It's not. 
Um, and even if it, even if Evan Fitzner was playing well, like it wouldn't. It still wouldn't matter. Hypothetically, there are still no consistent outside shooters. You need more than one. Right. I mean, Indiana has zero. But they even literally if you had, have zero. Even if you had one, you need at least two or three. I think one of the not to pin this all on Romeo Langford's lack of outside shooting, but what a disappointment that's been this season. Yeah, his really. yeah he he doesn't know where his shots at at all. Like uh, like you kind of said with confidence, I think he doesn't have a lot of confidence in his outside shot right now because he I mean he's not really shooting from the outside as much anymore now either. And the thing is, he's not really attacking the basket as much as he was. He's really his role in this offense is so weird at this point. I really can't figure it out. I, I think that some of it is, you know, the last couple of games have been rough for Langford. Obviously, he had the four point dud against Purdue, and then he I played very bad. Didn't have Purdue. a great and didn't have a great game against Michigan. But um, I think some of it is, and this is a super cliche way to put it, but that freshman wall. And I think that you know, defensive how defenses have a plan for Romeo Langford. Oh yeah. And, in that, and this IU team, in that, you know, if you keep them out of the paint they're not going to beat you right? because they do their dirty work in the paint. Even a guy like Romeo Langford, who's prolific in from pretty much anywhere inside the three-point line, I mean, even that, mid, that mid-range shot is really there. Um, I, if you keep IU out of the paint, they're not going to do a lot of damage. They're not going to beat you shooting the ball. And teams are content to sit back in a zone and let them shoot over them because they're not going to make the shots. And they haven't to this point, rather. And not that they, you know, someday maybe they will, this se- even this season. Um, but it, there's – IU doesn't seem to have any response to – what's being thrown at them in that. And I think it's interesting, too, in that... You know, I feel like that's a coaching thing a little bit. I think some of it's coaching, and I think that, too, like, this is a team that we talked about early in the season had faced some adversity and uh, and dealt with it. I mean, they played right. well when they faced adversity. Um, you look at games against Butler, you look at games against Louisville. Um, I mean, those were games that, I- even Arkansas, those were games that, that IU was down, played well. Um, obviously, two of the three they won. I, this was a team that had some swagger even when they were down in games and now that's lost there's yeah. none of that there's no response there's no fight there's no edge and i i think you're right murphy i think some of that comes from coaching yeah and i think again i just feel like they're not addressing the problems that they have and i think a big part of that is a little bit with langford because i think he's getting misused in this offense a little bit um, we know how good he is at attacking the basket um, and a lot of times he's just off the ball, just kind of standing there. Um, and like we said, he doesn't really have much of an outside shot right now, so you don't really need him off the ball. Um, so I don't know why they don't really hit you know, some pick and rolls really hard between him and Jawan Morgan. Um, let Lankford go to the basket, let him attack, let Morgan roll off. And you, I mean, he's obviously have really good footwork um that you can kind of rely on so i think you can do that a lot and i think that would help a lot it wouldn't obviously um you know fix all the problems this team has offensively cuz again i i don't really see any positives at all in this offense right now and i do think that it falls a little bit on coaching um not all of it i cuz again you can try to coach as well as you can and if the players just don't respond then what are you going to do about it um and i think that does i think that has been a little bit of what's been going on um, you can kind of see that when we talk about energy levels coming out or whatever, just not responding. Um, but that being said, I think a lot of that has to go off. I would just like to see Archie get 
a little bit mad every once in a while. I want him to show a little bit more emotion. Well, I saw people on Twitter basically saying that, I mean, during the 17-0 Michigan run to start the game with the Assembly Hall shot clock issues and everything, I kind of fed into the start God, that of was last terrible. Friday's game. People were like, Archie Miller's never gotten a technical in Indiana. This is the night it's going to happen. And, and it didn't. Well, we saw him get, you know, kind of flustered, you know, a bit red in the face. He was yelling a lot at the refs. You especially after some of the, the missed calls toward the end of the half. I think we've all seen the uh, picture on Twitter of Michigan's last uh, mm -hmm. inbounds yeah. where the guy's literally got two feet on the court as he's inbounding the ball. Bad call. Um, yes, bad call. <laughs> and, like, Assembly Hall was letting the refs, re the refs have it, too. Uh, I mean, they were getting completely jeered and booed from every section of the building. But you still didn't quite see Archie get that angered? No. And I, I even like post game. I wish he would get a little. Well, in this I, game, the Michigan game was the most. He's this is the hardest he's been on this team. Where he kind of just flat out said, "You know, we're not very tough right now. We're not, you know, doing all these sort of things." And he even I don't know if you guys noticed, but he had the statue and he kind of crumbled it before he got in there. I mean, that's a small thing, but it is showing a little bit of anger. But man, I really wish he would just really say what he's thinking because he's not. You know what I mean? He's not really saying what he's thinking. He knows what this problem is with these teams, and he's just not – I don't know. He's not communica communicating it very well right now, I feel. Not to get into a debate, but I honestly thought that there was some fire from Archie. I thought that he was – I thought he was more outward than he generally was in this game. Right. And rightfully so. I mean, his team got off to an abysmal start. But um, I, I think that – I I think that it's also worth keeping in perspective that – this is year one and a half right now for Archie Miller. Most of these guys aren't Archie Miller recruits. Even Correct. the ones that are, two of them are playing. And that's Rob Finnessy and Romeo Langford. Yeah, and they're freshmen. And they're freshmen, right. And, you know, this is a still a program in transition. <laughs> and this gets into a little bit bigger picture. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, you know, the Indiana fan base, as we all know, is has a tendency to overreact at every little thing. Everything, yes. And uh, you know this fan base is irritated. They're ticked off, and 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 I think that's that's valid. I think it's fair. Yeah. I think it's fair. But I think that people need to keep things in perspective. Archie Miller is in the process of changing a culture, one that would that under Tom Crean things were going downward and quickly. Yep. You know that that final year of Tom Crean. Yeah, they won the Big Ten championship the year before, but the regular season championship. But that final year was awful it was to really watch, bad. to be a part of. I mean, it was just a bad year. Of it, was a, it was a collapse. It really was. I mean, that the the last game of the Korean era, that NIT game against oh, Georgia God. Tech. First of all, the way it was handled by the athletic department was an issue in itself. <laughs> Secondly, the way that IU came out in that game. I mean, it was just it, it was. It, I don't know, even know if appalling is a strong enough word. I it mean, it bad. just was an awful, awful, awful game. Um, uninspiring, really. And so when you look at that, on the heels of that, people think, you know, they see a Chris Holtman at, at Ohio State last year pulled pulled a team into the tournament and had, had a really good year in year one. People need to remember, Chris Holtman inherited like an all Big Ten, first team all Big Ten player, mm -hmm. among in addition to a pretty stable roster of players. Archie Miller came in with a pretty ba uh, barren cupboard. There wasn't a lot there, and so I think that there needs to be a level of patience. And I know that's the most 
irritating thing for fans to hear because people want to win now. They want, you know, it's been, what is it now, almost 30 years, 40 years, um, over 30 years now since, uh, since the last national championship Indiana took home in 1987. And, and people are tired of hearing about, you know, the glory days and all that. People want the glory days to be now. And I think that's fair, but I think that, you know, it's a process and you know <laughs> just like the 76ers you got to right. trust the process it's uh it, it, it's a team that is in in flux it's in transition it's right. you know like i said there's only really two archie guy archie miller players on this team playing significant, getting, and, yeah, significant, yeah, significant minutes. minutes and making an impact if this was year four or five that would be a separate set of issues when archie miller's got his guys in the program right but i think that really that like you know even in uninspiring wins again or uninspiring losses against northwestern against michigan i don't think there should be this kind of like indictment on archie miller's coaching ability or his character or this that whatever i just think i just think that's just unfair and i think you know fairness is a relative term but i think that archie miller has caught a lot of flack and to some degree earned but has caught a lot of undeserved flack for this team's performance with a team that's frankly not his right and i think that's worth and that's really important to uh to keep in mind yeah i I think it's interesting you bring up the last korean year because a lot of the guys on this team obviously were on that team Um, and that kind of goes back to the thought of you know whether or not archie's getting to these guys or not it, it all comes down to who's buying in who's buying into this culture that he's trying to bring in and you could say that the players at last Crean year weren't buying into his culture. And you can say now that the guys with Archie aren't buying in. So then you have to kind of turn your head to the players and, you know, really wonder, are these guys really, I mean, it's a little, maybe a little hard on them to say this, but are they really buying in? Are they really, um, you know, are they fully committed to this program? I mean, honestly, you have to start wondering that a little bit because I could probably point to a few guys that I don't think are, um, I probably won't say them, but like I just I think that is a big part of it right now, and I think it's looking at that Crean year is a good way of kind of being like, well, I mean, it happened to both of these coaches, so I mean, what's happening here? Uh, I'll I'll add two things to this discourse. So to the point you just brought up, Murphy, I think when the allocation of minutes is going to such a specific group of players. Not necessarily because of anyone's fault, because literally if Indiana doesn't go with like the six-man rotation of Langford, Morgan, Smith, McRoberts, Durham, and... Finnessy. Finnessy, yeah. If you, if you, that was the six-man rotation that Middle used in the second half against Michigan. You can't almost afford to play anyone but those six guys. You can't. Because, I and mean... You can't always really trust those guys. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Bank on Clifton Moore, Jake Forster, Evan Fitzner, and Demise Anderson to give you no. quality minutes off the bench? No. I mean, Archie Miller's stuck in such between a, hard, a rock and a hard place with the amount of guys that he can play and amount of guys that he can play with like any sense of you know trustworthiness to try and produce results. But when you have the 40 minutes of a game divided up between six to seven guys at most, I think that can affect the buy-in a bit. Yeah, because I mean, what is Jake Forster gonna do in practice to earn himself more minutes? It, it's not even necessarily his fault. It's just the fact that right now Indiana can't play him because he's not gonna be able to survive in when a situation where every single game is basically a must-win for IU. Right. 
So uh, yeah, we don't we don't know what happens in practice. Like right. I don't know how he does in practice. But, but I just think guys like that when you have such a few guys playing the majority of all the minutes, that can affect people buying in or people you know doing whatever it is to try and earn time on the court because it's just natural human nature. You know, if you're not playing and you consider that you're not going to play, you know, it's going to affect your preparation the way that you do things. And to the second kind of more meta idea of Tom Crean versus Archie Miller, Ben, you were talking about how Tom Crean's teams, you know, hit the hit those two great highs, winning the Big Ten regular season championship twice. Mm-hmm. And even in his final season, of course, you had the memorable wins against mm-hmm. Kansas and North Carolina as kind of your high watermarks. And then obviously the drop off, the fan unrest, the firing and Archie Miller coming in. I almost think the unrest with Archie isn't necessarily that this program is continually spiraling, you know, toward the bottom half of the Big Ten. It's more a fear that they're not even going to replicate those high watermarks of the Crean era. Yeah, that's a good point. And I don't know if they are or not. I mean, again, we I think we do have to give him a little bit more time. Um, because I think the thing that's almost fearful for Indiana fans, too, is, look, there has to be a two-way street for Indiana to return to some kind of, you know— consistent level of winning in the Big Ten. Indiana has to raise its level of play, and frankly, a couple teams have to regress. And teams like Michigan, Michigan State, have shown no signs of regressing in the past couple years. You're seeing the bottom feeders of the conference, like Northwestern and Rutgers having a couple, Nebraska even having a couple good seasons being strung together. And then the middle of the conference remains, you know, relatively okay with teams like Minnesota, Maryland, Ohio State kind of thrown in there. So, Indiana can, you know, maybe marginally improve and stuff like that. But, man, if these other teams don't, you know, have at least a little bit of a drop-off and kind of a cyclical nature, then what are they to do? And we will address those thoughts after a break because <laughs> that was a perfect segue to it. Yep, we're going to take a quick break here on the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. We will catch you on the other side. TIS College Bookstore has been outfitting generations of IU fans for over 56 years, and we have the largest selection of IU apparel and gifts in Bloomington. Start your holiday shopping with 25% off one regular priced apparel or gift item at iugear.com when you use promo code IUBB. If you're in town for the game, stop by TIS and show us your athletic ticket stub, and we'll give you 25% off one IU sportswear item. TIS College Bookstore, representing everything IU. And we're back here on the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. Guys, let's uh we've talked big picture. Let's get uh let's get to the smaller, more immediate future uh of this IU basketball team. Games against Rutgers and Michigan State this week. Um we'll start with Rutgers because I think we've got some time between now and Michigan State, obviously. Um for one, I, I mentioned this on the front end, but uh, this game's a must win but it's also not exactly the cinch we thought it might be uh, earlier uh, in the season. I said Scott Peichel earlier this earlier in this podcast. Steve Peichel, mm. uh, correction. Um, but Steve Peichel's bunch have now won two Big Ten games in a row for the first time in team history. And uh, Rutgers has got some – they've got a little swagger to them. They beat Ohio State. Penn State, not great, but beat a solid Ohio State team. Um Guys, what 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 do you guys expect out of this, Murphy? I'll uh, I'll start with you. Just what what are you thinking about this matchup? Well, I mean, I think Rutgers is playing just about as good as they ever had in the Big Ten. I think this may be, 
You could argue this is their best team they've had since they've joined the Big Ten. I don't think you can argue. I think it's a fact. Well, they, I think you could maybe argue last year's team was close. Well, they've already matched their high for Big Ten regular season wins. They have three this season, and their high for an entire you know season was three, and they're still – what, 10, 11 games left to play. Right. So they're going to break the record for that. So right. So I guess, I mean, from a statistical standpoint, you can say that. I think, you know, beating a an Ohio State team that was ranked kind of, you know, at the peak of what the Buckeyes were this year at home was, you know, kind of one of the high— That was a big win. One of the high watermarks for Rutgers um, in terms of the Big Ten tenure. Um, they're good. I'm pretty confident— I would I would say good is a hard stretch. I think Because here, here's what I think with— this team a little bit with these wins they've pulled out. I think they've caught two of the teams that they've beaten, Nebraska and Ohio State. I think they caught them at the right time. And then Penn State was just bad. Because yeah, Penn State's bad. not a good team. Um, <laughs> but I think um, Nebraska, I feel like that's a team that can really be hit or miss. They're a lot like IU. They just don't show up sometimes. Um, and I think that falls on Tim Miles a lot. But so I think that I think Rutgers caught them on one of those off nights, and then Ohio State. That was the first game in their big downfall that they're kind of in the middle of right now. Even though, like you said earlier, they beat Nebraska. Is that who they beat? Yep. Um, but they they have not been playing very well either, and that was kind of the start of that. So I think a little bit is just about Rutgers catching teams at the right time, but they are catching IU at a great time right. because they're playing like. I'm not going to say it, but they're playing terrible. Well, I think when you look at, I mean, obviously the ways that the two teams are going to enter this game at, Rutgers is probably going to be the betting favorite. I would imagine. And that's just a remarkable sentence to put together, that Indiana basketball is going to likely be an underdog at Rutgers for a men's college basketball game. Now, it would be very lazy and easy of me to make the Indiana football comparison. Don't do it. But I'm going to, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> Indiana football won at Rutgers by seven, and they clung on to that win for dear life. They sure did. They almost lost that game. I think there's a very good chance that even if Indiana wins Wednesday night at Rutgers, that the margin of victory for the football team at seven is going to be greater than whatever the basketball team wins by. I would not be surprised by that whatsoever. Again. Because if I, if I remember last year correctly, too, Indiana had a terrible stretch of shooting entering the game at Rutgers, and there was kind of, you know, mm -hmm. a little, you know, murmur, upset vibe towards that game last season. And Indiana had tremendous defensive performance. I think the best to that point from the Archie Miller era in terms of keeping Rutgers, I think, maybe less than 20% shooting in the first half or right. something insane like that. Um, I covered that game last year from my couch. Um, so it, it was easy enough for, for Indiana to kind of get to that victory. Robert Johnson had a nice shooting night, if I remember correctly, as well. But goodness, Indiana entering this game with a six-game losing streak and the way the losses have kind of compounded on top of themselves. Rutgers entering it with two consecutive Big Ten wins, wins on the road nonetheless when you look at the fact that Indiana's lone road win for the entire season, as well as Big Ten play, is still that narrow two-point victory at Penn State back in early December. I mean, if, if this thing is played on a computer simulation, Rutgers is probably winning it, you know, 75% yeah. of the time. And it's not an easy trip to make for any team in the Big Ten, honestly. It's I mean, it, it, it's just not an easy trip. It's not an easy place to play because it's a, it's a weird place to play. Um, but, yeah. Middle, I, I, middle week night game probably doesn't help that vibe. Either. Right. Considering the energy level has been low to start games anyway. Um, it's just not – It's 
IU does not look like they have the best fortunes coming into this game. Not to say they can't win it, obviously. I think they can um, because, again, Rutgers is still probably one of the five worst teams in the Big Ten. IU's probably in that discussion now. but um, So I think any of, any of those teams there at the bottom could still beat each other. Um, but Rutgers is kind of deep. I mean, when you look at their roster, I mean, they have a lot of guys that can play. I don't think they have a lot of post guys that are – big offensive threats which is good for IU um the Rutgers is really guard heavy but I mean I don't I still don't have a lot of confidence for IU coming in it also doesn't help the fact that they've got that Indiana's in the middle of a stretch or four game stretch where they go home against Michigan at Rutgers at Michigan State yeah. home against the number 19 ranked Iowa team <laughs> I mean this is like as bad a situation as they could possibly have yeah. basically just based on the fact of who they have to play and when um now the inner optimist in me, which you know, I'll, I'm criminally an optimist when it comes to <laughs> Indiana sports, but um, not maybe eight and four Indiana football like Cam Drummond, but right. But I think that uh, I think that Indiana like they've got opportunities in front of them in that this season's not over if they say beat Rutgers and beat Iowa, say they lose to Michigan State. I mean. There's opportunities in front of them just based on the fact of how good the Big Ten is this year. So, like, the teams that come into their schedule, even if Indiana's not playing well, if they steal a couple of these games, they, they, their resume gets bulked up pretty quickly, pretty easily. And I think that, you know, R- Rutgers is a game that, for one, Indiana has to have. And I think it's one of those games that if they lose, people are going to lose it. Um this isn't to disrespect Rutgers, although Rutgers hasn't earned a lot of respect in the Big Ten. Um, but I- if Indiana goes in and loses this game, um, the the Archie Miller apologists are going to be uh, sent into hiding, I would say. I think the thing about Big Ten play is this. There's been a lot made about how many bids the league will get and also just about the strength of the league overall. The Big Ten is going to continually hand Indiana opportunities to fix this mess that it's gotten itself into, right? Like, whether it's the trip to Michigan State, the home game against Iowa, the home game against Wisconsin, uh, the home game against Ohio State to an extent, um, even just picking up, you know, wins and bits and pieces like the home and home with Rutgers and the trip to Illinois that come up later this season. Indiana is going to have so many chances to correct the slide and get out of this rut. But until that happens, it's really a case of how much water can the boat take on before it starts to sink, right? I mean, I think I think if they lose at Rutgers, that's where we go, you know, the boat's actually going to capsize. And then bad things are going to start happening from that point. Like, people have ideas of, like, you know, where the rock bottom falling out of this losing streak or of this season may end up being. And Michigan at home was a really strong contender for being the rock bottom moment, but I think losing at Rutgers would, would probably be, be the one would would have to top that just because of the like Indiana could have probably played a lot better at home against Michigan last week and still lost that game. Right. But if you lose at Rutgers, then you know, it just the optics of it looks so bad. Yeah, I, I agree. I think when you look back to last year, the the low point rock bottom of Archie Miller's short time here in IU is whenever they lost to Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. I mean, that was that's probably the lowest they've had so far, and I think you're right. I think this would be it at this point. I think it could get lower when you get going into the rest of the season, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think you're right. Uh, I'll ask this, and I know that none of us is uh, none of us is Archie Miller. None of us has the uh, control of the lineups. But let's talk a little. Let's get a little more specific here. Does do either of you guys feel like you have? Is there something that you know? At least looking on paper, obviously we all cover this team every day. There's a lot going on. Um, do you feel like there's one, maybe two things that this team could do to really m- move the needle? Um, I- is it a matter of getting some guys more rest, giving certain guys more time? Is there anything specifically that you guys feel this team could use in in the present? I, I think they could maybe try to get some guys some more minutes off the bench. I think getting guys it, like Jawan. It, it would be hard to get guys off the bench less minutes. Well, that's that's true, I guess. So, uh, but like, you know, give a guy like Jawan Morgan some more rest. Um, Morgan's, and Morgan's just, currently averaging thirty three point three minutes a game in right. Big Ten play. Right. So yeah, he's tired. And you know, I feel like when it comes to energy, I feel like getting guys coming off the bench, you know, give them like fresh legs, like a little bit of a spark. Maybe that's something they need. You know, I don't. The thing is, they've tried it a little bit, and it hasn't really worked that well. Like. When they tried with Demisi Anderson, it's went horribly in my opinion. I think he's had a rough stretch here. Um, Clifton Moore's had flashes, kind of. I'd like to see some more Clifton Moore. I would like to see maybe a little bit more Clifton because I think he's one of the few guys off the bench who's perfectly healthy. Because like, let's kind of shelve Jerron Davis because he's not going to play rest of the year, in my opinion. That's just him being hurt. That ankle injury is he can barely move. Is not is not going to allow him to play at least in the short term. So. It's not his fault. It's just a case of it is what it is. Right. But I think of the guys who are healthy and on the bench, I would trust Clifton more the most if I needed to give if I was trying to give Jawan Morgan two or three minutes extra rest in a game because I think and he's shown it a little bit this a season, little bit and in Big Ten play specifically that he can maybe you know he's got the the size. I don't know if he has the strength. And I think he's also has a high enough basketball IQ to where he's not gonna. I mean, there was an infamous moment in the Michigan game where Justin Smith's standing underneath the basket trying to put his shoe back on. Oh, my God. While there's a wide-open Michigan player next to him underneath the basket. Oh, don't even bring that up. So I think my point is not to not to just bring Justin Smith unnecessarily into that discussion. I think he could do a little bit better shooting the ball as well because obviously spacing, he's getting yeah. more jump shots. But I think Clifton Moore is like the number one most obvious, most quote-unquote reliable, even if he's not that reliable option off the bench right. based on what you have. And uh, maybe a little bit more Forrester. Again, we haven't seen much of him. Jake Forrester has played two parentheses, two <laughs> minutes in Big Ten play this season. I, I mean, I would like to maybe see what he can do. Again, we're not in practice. We don't know what he looks like. But, but I think it would be kind of fun <coughs> if they threw him in there to give Jawan some rest and him and Justin Smith played in the front court together. I feel like that would actually be kind of fun to watch. But, I mean, because there's kind of similar players in a sense. Yeah, I think he's not quite the athlete that Justin Smith is. But I right. think uh, I wrote a feature earlier this year on it, hashtag plug, um, <laughs> on uh, <laughs> on Jake Forrester. And a lot of what people told me about him is that he, could, he he's he got that athletic ability, that spark guy. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a spark plug type player. And, I, I mean, this is a team that's lacking energy. I don't understand why. And, like I said, obviously we're not in, in practice every day. But in a guy – in a guy that I feel like could give you at least some energy or something like that, right? Um, to not give him at least a few more minutes was uh, surprised me a little bit because, frankly, I think he has more upside than Clifton Moore. 
I think he has more upside than Demise Anderson, in my opinion. The way Anderson has played so far, I, I really Demise have been Anderson, disappointed I've, in him. I, I think I've been disappointed in that I thought that he might show a little bit more on the offensive end, but I think that like you can tell he's got a scoring touch. It's not necessarily yeah. been there this year, but I think that defensively he's still figuring oh it out. Oh, my God. I, he's I, I mean, Demise Anderson is a, is a liability on defense right now, and, he, and he's a freshman. He's young. He's still figuring out the college game, and I get that. You know, There's some there's some leeway there, but I, I think that's definitely hurt. Um Something else that I'd look at is, too, I know he's a senior captain, but why, why is Zach McRoberts mm. playing the minutes he is? I, I, yeah. I, you know, looking at the, looking at the stats, he's been 182 minutes this year in, uh, in what is it, 17 games this year? That's just Big Ten play. Oh, excuse me, 182 minutes in Big Ten play. The only thing that Zach McRoberts gives you is above average defense, right? He, and and he, and I know that Zach's dealt with injuries this year, so he hasn't necessarily been the same as good as he should as he uh, was last year. No, I'm grabbing the mic from Ben because this has to be told to the world. <laughs> Zach McRoberts has 182 minutes in Big Ten play and four points. <laughs> What's his four average points. on the season? Uh, for the entire season, like points per game. Yeah, Zach McRoberts for the entire season is averaging one. <laughs> Points per game. <laughs> one parentheses one <laughs> point a game. So that's uh, <laughs> to what I was getting at. Um, yeah, there's part of the uh, there's part of the problem is I, I get that he gives you some I get that he gives you some effort plays, some diving for balls, things like that. But like Zach McRoberts does nothing to move the needle for this team. He doesn't. He doesn't. I, in my opinion, I don't think he's creating enough defense to warrant his, la- his lack of ability on offense. Teams are literally saying. I think it was the was it the Nebraska game where they were literally daring Zach McGrath oh, yeah. to shoot. I think he took. I think he took five shots. Well, Purdue too. <laughs> Purdue too. That was Purdue. It was the Purdue game. It was. Um, I, I think Zach McRoberts took five shots in that Purdue game, mm-hmm, and did. it was the most shots he'd taken in a game since like last January. Um, it, like it, it seems like such a stupid common question, like that surface level question. But for a guy that gives you one point and meet and like slightly above average defense, why is he playing twenty minutes a game? It doesn't make sense to yeah. me. Like I feel like I'd almost feel like even though he's more of a liability on defense, at least Demise Anderson gives you some offensive upside. Right. Or you know, I mean, there are guys in that spot that can play. You know, keep Justin Smith in the game for longer. Uh, I just don't. It doesn't to me. Zach McRoberts to me does not warrant remotely the amount of minutes he is and, and it's you know it's nothing against Zach McRoberts but you know Zach McRoberts is a walk-on for a reason it's not that he's not capable of playing and helping this team but he gives them so so little right now that it, it just I, I don't feel like his playing time is warranted yeah I think Miller's just looking for some some experience in a way like you said he's a senior and it doesn't help with Green being out um, I was they're looking say, for some backcourt depth there, but that's about it. It's going to sound insane. What this team needs, and no. they've needed it for the entirety of this no. of this sco- of this losing streak. You're wrong. They need Devontae Green. Nope. In the worst way. Nope. You are wrong, sir. <laughs> they need. You're incorrect. L- hear me out. <laughs> they need the people who they have available off the bench to play. 
I don't want to say like Devontae Green because that's hit or miss. Nope. But they need the energy level of Devontae Green taken from Devontae and kind of transplanted. What energy level? What energy level are we talking about? Devontae's been one of the worst. Uh, he's been one of the. He's one of the team's best three-point shooters. Congrats. You're, it's like being. It's not good. The team's bad at three-point shooting. I understand that. But. I mean, le- like everything about the suspension aside, this was the worst possible time for Indiana to lose a healthy body to anything, whether it's injury, suspension, well, he did why that you're to not himself. playing. But the fact that they don't have Devontae Green available because at his best, Devontae Green can be a spark off the bench. Just, just a, Can you admit that? At yes, his at best, his best. At his fully working capacity, Devontae Green is a spark and you know a flicker of light off the bench that can make some exciting plays, that can make some outside shots, and that can, you know, for better or for worse, impact the game, whether it's really good or really bad. Yes, but the fact that's that he, apex, Devontae. The fact that he's out means you have one less tool in the toolbox to go to, and that's why you have guys – because that's the thing about the Zach McRoberts question. Okay, you don't want to play Zach McRoberts. Who are you going to play, Demise Anderson? I don't think I would. So you're stuck with Zach McRoberts then, right? Right. But here's my thing. So there you go. We talk about Devontae at his best. We've seen that maybe twice this year. Maybe twice. And, like, so that's what I mean. We talk about these guys that, you know, well, maybe maybe they could, you know, provide something off the bench, you know, whatever. But every time, almost every time we've seen them this year, they haven't done it. So that's what I'm starting to wonder. Are any of these guys, you know, are any of these guys the answer? That's the real question. That's a sign it's time to go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Indiana Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. It's been a pleasure as always, and uh, Indiana, Indiana takes on Rutgers and Michigan State. It's been a brutal couple of weeks for the Hoosiers. Hopefully a win's on the horizon for, for all of us, for, for, all, for all of our sakes. But uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll uh, catch you next week. That hit peak IUFB podcast right there at the end.